0: And up next is cover to cover open book. This is Nina Serrano for Open Book Cover to Cover, the Poet to Poet series. This is Nina Serrano and I'm in the studio with three very exciting women... I have here Sara Kupa, a translator, I have Mirta Yañez, a Cuban writer, and Nancy Alonso, also a Cuban writer. Now, you may think being a Cuban writer is not so special, but being a Cuban writer here in the United States, that's very special because very few Cuban artists have been able to get visas to come here and share their work with us. So we're very excited today that Sara has brought these two exciting authors, women authors at that. Bienvenidos, Nancy Alonso. Thank you very much, Nina. I'm happy to be here. A pleasure to have you. And Mirta
1: Yanez. Thank you very much, and I'm happy to be here, too. And Sarah Cooper.
0: Thank you so much, Nina. It's great to be here. Well, it's very wonderful for us to be here, and I want to start by asking Sarah about this entire project.
2: How did this all begin and why? Um, yeah, this all began because I've been trying to get Myrta Yanez's works published in the United States for a good 12, 13 years. And um, it's it's been very difficult to find publishers who were willing to publish a literature from Cuba... B, literature from Cuba by a woman, and C, literature from Cuba that is not highly political in nature, either to the right or to the left. It's just darn good literature. And so when it finally came down to it, about two years ago, we made the decision, by gosh, we're going to publish this And so at that point, I started learning about the profession of publishing and uh, basically took on a second full-time job. (laughs) What is your work? My day job is as a professor of Latin American literature and gay and lesbian studies at California State University, Chico. And how did you come upon these writers? Oh, my goodness.
0: These wonderful writers.
2: These wonderful... I I was so fortunate. Um, For several years, a Dutch-American activist and filmmaker lived here in the Bay Area. Her name was Sonia DeVries. She was asked by the Cuban government to make a film called Gay Cuba. And while she was there, she met all sorts of people. And uh, she and her partner introduced me to Myrta when Myrta came for the first time to San Francisco. I think it was maybe in 1995. And uh, Myrta gifted me with a book of her short stories, and we talked for a long time, and I was just hooked The roles of women and uh, gender and sexuality roles developed so much differently in Cuba than anywhere else in Latin America. And since I'm a Latin American specialist interested in gender and sexuality, how could I not be riveted by an entirely different uh, sort of approach to gender?
0: I found in reading these books, the element of humor was what got me, was that they had Both of them had a somewhat humorous approach to life, even to its tragedies. And also how well they captivated the life in Cuba. Things that were just so uniquely Cuba that I hadn't seen written about anywhere else. And I realized it was because it was from a woman's perspective.
2: Exactly.
0: They were those little rich details of life that it seems like mostly women uh, focus on and notice and are impacted by and that's what made their work so exciting to me and also that they both seem to talk in such an interesting voice I was familiar with the voice of Cuban literature and that was mostly what came to me was mostly male literature and it was men of my generation and their perspective was They were basically writing existential novels. And and maybe it was filtering through the revolutionary process. But they were still caught in these anguished, uh, philosophic questions of the novels, basically, of the 50s. Yes. But in these two women, what was so remarkable and so refreshing was there weren't these existential questions and cobwebs. There was just the joy... And pain of everyday human life and it was Cuban life that gave it this wonderful spice richness and joy that I was one of the reasons that people have always cherished what is Cuban so I can see what what drew you to these women so I'm going to ask you Uh, If you would read us
2: from, oh, but we'll begin with Nancy's work. Absolutely, I'd be delighted. One thing about Nancy's work is that uh, it, it... it spans so many experiences that she's had, and some of them in Ethiopia, some of them in Cuba. And, and yes, she, she has such a Cuban voice, but she does deal with universal issues. And, and she's asked me to read a, uh, a one-paragraph story, which probably could happen anywhere, but it really conveys uh, the idea of how some Cubans feel uh, these days. It's about communication and it's about um, disconnect, which is the name of the book. So this uh, is called A Tranquil Death. Neither the balmy morning nor the desperate embrace of his family members managed to warm up the body of their loved one. Their consolation was a convenient image of his peaceful transition from sleep to death only he knew about the chase the stumbling the fall the roar of the beast the certainty of his demise accompanied by the pressure at his throat and then the relief of seeing himself in the nightmare which allowed him to decide to keep on sleeping placidly thank you
0: sarah cooper for reading from the work of Nancy Alonso, translated by Anne Fontaine, from her book, Disconnect, Desencuentro. Nancy, how did you feel about having your work translated?
3: Me siento muy contenta de, de haber sido traducida por eh, Cubana Books. Mm, la traducción, como usted dijo, es de Anne Fontaine. I feel very happy to have my
2: work translated and published by Cubana Books and it was great to work with the translator Anne Fountain What do you think the impact and significance of having work translated
0: is?
3: Mm, yo creo que es importante para cualquier escritor o escritora que su obra sea traducida a otras lenguas I think
2: it's very important for any writer to have his or her work translated
3: Why is that? Eh, porque es una oportunidad de comunicación con un público mayor y en este caso especial para nosotros es de gran significado que nos puedan leer los lectores de Estados Unidos,
2: Realmente, uh, really it's a, an opportunity to reach a larger audience, but en este case es very, very
3: important to us particularly to reach a United States audience. Y como usted decía hace hace un rato eso esa comunicación eh con otros lectores y especialmente como dije con Estados Unidos nos permite que el pueblo norteamericano conozca una Cuba que muchas veces no conoce,
2: as you mentioned before, really what we want to do is reach a United States, English speaking public and, and let them know what Cuba really is, and, and they're not getting that from other literature.
3: En Cuba sobre Cuba hay mucha desinformación Y a veces mala información y malintencionada información aquí
2: en Estados
3: Unidos. Cuba. Y creo que a través de la literatura, y especialmente el tipo de literatura que que yo escribo y que usted hablaba de eso, que es de, de la cotidianidad en Cuba, de nuestros dolores, de nuestras alegrías, creo que es una forma de acercarnos al pueblo norteamericano. And I think that it's through
2: literature that we can make this communication, especially through the sort of literature that I write. Uh, Just like you were saying, Nina, it's literature of the the day-to-day, of our pains, of our joys, of what we are experimenting, and we can share that with you.
3: Y que nos vean entonces de otra manera, ¿no? O que vean otro costado de Cuba y no...
2: So they can see us in another way, or in other words, there's another side to Cuba, another side that's not necessarily represented by the mass media.
0: And what's so interesting about having this available is that most of the popular literature, novels, uh, poems that we consider Cuban are really Cuban-Americans with a very negative view that maybe have come from their own experience or from their family stories against the revolutionary Cuba. So it's very different to have actual Cuban-Cuban voices. And I really thank you, Sarah, for making this so possible. I wonder if you could read us... From Mirta's work,
2: I'd be delighted. Um, what I'd like to do is I'd like to read the, the very last paragraph of a short story called "The Blind Buffalo." And this uh, one is co-translated by myself and Elizabeth Baraviini Gerbert, and uh, this is a beautiful short story about a, a young woman who sort of comes of age and then looks back on her life. and so this is her retrospective paragraph when i got home i had time for two other thoughts this is one of them on the steps of a railway car 20 years before i hadn't been able to grasp the real message and this was the other i'd spent those years like a bull in the china shop of life without even seeing it at a scientific conference in canada i didn't hear the falls when I visited Paris, I forgot Jean-Christophe's attic in Leningrad. My schedule didn't let me visit the Winter Palace. I chose my car over rafts, dog sleds, and camels. As far as the pigeons at the Piazza di San Marco go, I must confess that it was all I could do to keep them from staining my new dress. I went over to my junk drawer. And the poor blind buffalo couldn't avoid hearing a few four-letter words I have no intention of repeating here, and which I addressed, as you may well guess, to myself. Then his huge head turned toward me, and he looked at me with eyes open wide. Hm. It must be early signs of my senility. Thank you, Sarah Cooper. Reading from mirta Yanez's short story. I remember that
0: short story. It begins with somebody giving her an American nickel with a buffalo on it. Uh, Yes. That's a good luck piece, and she wishes for all these adventures on that buffalo. And then at the end, because she was such a driven, career-minded person, she missed out on the actual adventures of going to all of those places. That was a marvelous story. And I was going to comment also about Nancy's story about uh, that's set in Ethiopia. Ah, yes. Throughout both of their work, there are references uh, to Nicaragua uh, and to places in Africa because of the... Uh, tremendous outreach of of Cuban professionals, especially Cuban workers, bringing aid and support to different places, and that was another unique factor in their work, was this um, international perspective, even though we hear here how Cubans have no access to travel and Cubans can't do this and Cubans can't do that, but actually they're in their daily thinking, they're embracing the whole world because their relatives are in all these places, or even themselves in those places so uh, Mirta, I wonder if you would comment on what you felt about having your work translated mm, bueno, como decía Nancy
1: es muy importante para cualquier escritor eh, darse a conocer en, en otras lenguas porque es una forma no solamente de comunicación sino de compartir experiencias vitales con otro pueblo
2: well, like Nancy said, what author doesn't want her work translated? It so it's a way of communicating with other people and of sharing those vital experiences that we have lived. Y por la cerca, yo
1: creo que entre los pueblos norteamericanos y cubanos hay una gran cercanía cultural, a, a pesar de que tenemos lingua, una, idiomas distintos y a veces hasta ideas distintas, naturalmente, pero que muchos de nuestros gustos y nuestros
2: and really, to tell the truth, despite our differences, Cuban culture and the United States culture are actually quite close to each other, and we share so many of the same likes, of the same preferences, and so it's of a special importance to be published here in the United States.
0: So, Sarah... Could you tell us a little more about Cubana Books, like how we can find it, how people can uh, find these
2: books, their titles, websites, all that kind of information? Absolutely. Thank you, Nina. Um, Cubana Books has a website and also a Facebook page. You can go on and like Like us. us. Um, The website you can find at www.cubanabooks.org, and actually that'll shuttle you over to the page on the University at Chico State. Um, all of the books are available there. Uh, mirta Yanez's book is Havana is a really big city and I should mention that next year we're going to come out with a translation of her new novel which will be translated as The Bleeding Wound. It has uh, really taken uh, Cuba by storm. It's quite a hard-hitting novel and so that will be coming out. Um, also you can get Nancy Alonso's bilingual edition, Disconnect Desencuentro, translated by Anne Fountain. Also, the new book, it's also a bilingual edition. It's by a writer named Ida Barr, and this is called of course, inspired by the Hamlet character. And we've got several other books coming up in the next couple of years, some poetry by Nancy Morejon, uh, perhaps a uh, novel by a Cuban who has lived in the United States for a bit. We're pretty excited about going forward and uh, really bringing a wide variety of Cuban women's voices here to the United. States.
0: Now, one topic that we haven't uh, dealt with, but which you mentioned in the beginning, was this uh, question of sexual preference. Ah, yes. Why don't you talk a little bit about that, how that evolves in these books?
2: Well, I'd say that in uh, Nancy Alonso's book, uh, Sexual Preference, that is lesbian characters and gay male characters have a place right in the forefront. And what's interesting to me about this book because I, I teach gay and lesbian studies as well as Latin American literature, and these stories, the sexuality of the characters is not really the point that was so interesting in
0: in reading the book that that was not the point. That was just part of life
2: exactly. yeah. and and I, I think that, Even though, certainly, there's a lot of uh, ground to still cover and make up in the United States and in Cuba, who are just about at the same place around gay and lesbian rights and treatment of the LGBT continuum, Um, but... You know, at some point, it's got to be just we're human beings, and this is how we live, and this is how we suffer, and this is how we triumph, and, um, you know, rather than... Always about the, the suffering of being gay or coming out. So I would like to ask Mirta
0: if you could tell us about your journey as a writer, how that process evolved.
1: Bueno, ese viaje comenzó muy temprano porque mi padre era periodista y en mi casa abundaba papel, lápiz, mucho y máquina de escribir que yo aprendí rápidamente a usar.
2: Well, for me, that journey started very early because my father was a journalist, and there was paper and pencils and pens and typewriters all over the house. And I started writing early. Eh, mm, Como era muy inquieta,
1: consideraba que algunos libros que yo leía yo quería que duraran más, querían que fueran más largos. Y un día decidí continuar las historias que yo estaba leyendo y empecé a escribir.
2: And, you know, I was a little unsettled. I thought that some of the books that I was reading really should go further. And so I started taking plots and extending them. Y bueno, y empecé a escribir hasta el día de hoy, no he parado. <laughs> That's how I started writing, and I haven't stopped even to
3: today. Gracias. Y Nancy, y- quiero presentar el mismo pregunta a usted. Yo comencé tardíamente, bastante tardíamente. Con más de 40 años comencé a escribir. Yo, en realidad, soy bióloga.
2: Uh, For me, actually, I started quite late in life. I was over 40 when I started. Um, Really, by training, I'm a biologist.
3: Y como bióloga, di clases en la escuela de medicina, de fisiología y neurofisiología durante 25 años.
2: Uh, And so, as a biologist, I gave classes in physiology and neurophysiology at the university for 25 years.
3: Y en el año 1989 y hasta el 91 estuve en Etiopía como colaborante internacionalista dando clases de fisiología.
2: And from 1989 to 1991 I spent uh, that time in Ethiopia as a uh, internationalist giving classes on neurophysiology at the university there.
3: Y desde Etiopía comencé a escribir cartas a mi familia, a mis amistades, muy especialmente a Mirta, en las que describía la impresión que me causaba la cultura en Etiopía y en general la situación de África.
2: And from there, I would write home these long letters to my family and friends, but especially to Mirtha, and I would describe my impressions of Ethiopia uh, in general and where I was, and, and, and of Africa, as a matter of fact, too.
3: Y cuando regresé de Etiopía, Mirta me dijo que, que yo podía eh, escribir, que se había dado cuenta por esas cartas de mi capacidad de descripción y que por qué no intentaba escribir algo sobre Etiopía.
2: And when I got home, Myrta told me, and Myrta being a great proponent of women's writing, she told me that I had a gift and I could write and and I should start putting things down. And so, well, that's where I started. I started thinking about it and started writing down, uh, among other things, uh, experiences that had occurred to me in Ethiopia.
3: Y en ese proceso, en el año 94, es decir, ya más de dos años después de mi regreso que yo estaba tratando de, de encontrar eh, cómo escribir algo de Etiopía, ocurrió el éxodo de los balseros. And then
2: about two years later, while I was still struggling with really how to express what had happened to me in Ethiopia, the uh, great rafting exodus happened in Cuba, we call the balsero exodus.
3: Y yo vivía en ese momento frente al mar y y fui eh, espectadora de ese éxodo y aquello me, me, me conmocionó mucho y escribí mi primer cuento que no fue de Etiopía, no fue sobre Etiopía sino sobre los balseros.
2: And I lived in an apartment facing the sea at that time. And so I was a witness of people putting together little rafts uh, made of anything, just tied together and setting off to sea for the United States. And that moved me so much that I wrote my first story, which, of course, then wasn't about Ethiopia at all, but the uh, plight of the Balseros
3: y después escribí otras historias que sí tenían que ver con Etiopía, otras que no, que tenían que ver con la realidad cubana y a partir de ahí me aficioné.
2: Then I followed with other stories, some about Ethiopia, some about the reality of day to day life in Cuba, and you know, I got used to it and just kept on going from there. And one of the
0: stories actually is about how Cubans experienced working in
2: Ethiopia. Could you read us just
0: a tiny bit from that? I know we didn't give you a chance to
2: earmark it, but... That's all right. I can do that. I'm going to read the last little bit of a story called May Allah Protect You. This is about a professor who goes to Ethiopia to teach and um she's teaching uh, a group that includes uh, young women and young men and uh she's just wild to uh, learn about Ethiopian culture and she's just wild to visit uh one of the places of religious worship and she and she's trying to also bring sort of her feminist side and, and encourage the young women in the class that uh, are are not usually given much attention but uh, it does turn out that her favorite student is Jamal. He's the smartest, he's a young man, and they become very close friends. And he has tried this throughout the whole time she's there to find some way to get her into one of the mosques. And um, they don't get to go into the mosques, but this is how they say goodbye. As I had done so many times before, I held out my hand to say goodbye But Jamal responded to the gesture by taking a step backward, as if he were afraid of me. At that moment, 14 centuries of Islam came crashing down upon me. The weight of traditions, the black garments, the veils and the humiliations endured by Muslim women everywhere made no difference that I was Jamal's beloved professor. The Cuban who wanted to be Ethiopian and the one who had been at his side to teach and to learn. He hid his hands in the prayer rug and begged my pardon because he had already carried out his ablutions. If he touched a woman, he would be sullied and have to repeat the cleansing. Thus I saw another side of the enigma that had stayed with me since the long ago morning in Ada Baba the day when I first heard the mysterious sounds of the Muslim called to prayer and had wanted to enter a mosque. Jamal made another gesture. With his foot, he swept aside some pebbles on the ground, avoiding my look, and perhaps feeling ashamed. I wanted to keep believing in him, and I called out, May Allah bless you, Jamal, although I was really thinking. May Allah protect you, Jamal, from your own traditions. Thank you. That was Sarah Cooper
0: reading from Nancy Alonso's short story. So, in closing, I want to thank you all. I think this has been a very exciting few minutes together, bridging the cultural gaps between our countries, uh, bringing together the spirit of literature and art that, binds us all and i would like sarah to please repeat the contact information so people can find these
2: books please come and find us on the web at www.cubanabooks. that's all one word dot org and you also can like us on facebook and i think there's only one kubana books <laughs> on facebook so that should be pretty easy
0: Thank you both. Muchas gracias a todos. Gracias a Muchas gracias, gracias okay. Nina. To cover open book, the Poet to Poet series with Jill Montgomery as the technical director. I wish you all a very pleasant
3: weekend. KPFA can accept your donated car, truck, or RV, running or not. We also take boats, if they're on a trailer, motorhomes, farm equipment, motorcycles that are operational, and recreational vehicles like jet skis and snowmobiles. Call the Center for Car Donations at 877-411-DONATE to find out if your vehicle qualifies. They'll pick it up for free and give you a tax receipt for your donation.
2: It's easy, quick, and KPFA gets the proceeds. Lost title? Not smog? That's okay. Call today, 877 411 411 donate to make arrangements or visit APS.